Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Oh, it's good to be in church on Sunday night. Let's look here in the Word of God for a few moments. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe, is where I want to go. Glory to God. We invite you to tune in to the Internet. How many have a computer? Do you ever watch services on the Internet? This week in Tulsa, we will be speaking at Fire for the Nations. Uh, that's their conference they have every year. And I know that they'll be doing morning and evening services, so if you get an opportunity, uh, watch. Uh, when are we preaching? Tuesday night. We'll be ministering on Tuesday night. So uh, look in on us, and glory to God, you may be blessed. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians, let me get over there. No, no, excuse me, I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter 2. Now, understand that God has a plan for your life. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, here, uh, you know, what is could be defined as uh, the American dream, you know, where you uh, grow up and you go to school and you come out of school and you, uh, you know, you decide, uh, you know, whether you want to be a fireman or a cowboy, amen? Isn't that what it is when you're little? Are you either a fireman or a cowboy? <laughs> So you figure out whether you're going to be a fireman or a cowboy. And so you go, uh, you know, you go pursue that. And uh, you end up, uh, you know, becoming whatever uh, you want to become, uh, pursuing a, a, a job, a, a profession, a career. Amen. And, and usually what happens is once the excitement of preparing yourself for the career and entering into that career, and after a few years go by of you working in that career, it becomes kind of boring. It creates a routine of life. Uh, you know, you think about, especially when you've been working in a particular uh, job arena uh, for maybe uh, 10 years, a decade, 12 years, realizing, man, i got to do this for 20 more years before I can retire. Come on. The same old thing every day over and over and over. Now, see, that's all that this world system can produce. But besides that, now I'm not criticizing anybody's job choice. I'm not criticizing anybody's career. I'm not cr criticizing anybody, uh, what anybody does. What I'm saying is there is a greater plan for your life than just that which produces a check in your hand every week. You say, well, does that mean I have to quit doing what I'm doing? No, that doesn't mean you have to quit doing what you're doing. That literally means that God has something for you to do that will enhance even the job, the career choice that you've made, whatever it is that you're doing in life. God has ways of enhancing that and making it a blessing. Amen? Now, let's read here for just a moment 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, chapter 2. Uh, let's look at verse, verse 9. It says, but it is as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. How many love him? Now, come on. How many love him? Raise your hand and say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, if you raise your hand and say hallelujah, that means God has prepared something for you. That doesn't mean he's going to prepare it. That means he's already come up with it. He knows how it's going to work. 
He knows how it's going to be implemented. He knows how it will fit into your life according to your career, your job, whatever. He knows how it will fit into your geographical location. And he knows exactly how he will bless you financially and mentally and spiritually and physically in every way so that you can fulfill the plan that he has for you. Now, think for a moment. There was a day way back in the ancients of time in which the prophet Samuel went to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. Now, he was looking, God was choosing another king over Israel because the current king, Saul, had gotten into sin. So as he began to line up the boys, everybody say the boys, he began to look. Now, the first guy that he came to, the eldest son, Elam, when he saw him, Samuel thought, truly this is the Lord's anointed. And God said, no. And then he went to the next guy. Maybe this is him. No, the next guy, no, the next guy, no, the next guy, no, till there weren't any more sons left. Then he said, is this all that you have? And he says, well, I have one other son. Now, David was the youngest. Everybody say the youngest. Now, basically, the youngest son of those ancient families was not nearly afforded the rights of the elder son. Literally, can you imagine this? He wasn't even invited to the meal. He wasn't even invited to the meeting. He was out tending his father's sheep. But when he was called in by Samuel, actually by Jesse, and when approached by Samuel, and Samuel held the, uh, the, uh, the receptacle of the oil over him. Uh, for you that don't know, uh, that's a, a, a supernatural manifestation that would happen in the prophet's ministry, that there was a wax seal up in that anointed oil, and as they would hold it over the head of one, they would know, well, this isn't him. Uh, well, this isn't him. Well, this isn't him. But the one in which supernaturally the wax would melt out of there and the oil would flow over, that would be God's choice. That's how they did it. So as David stood there with all this anointing oil on him, if you would have walked up to him and said, well, David, let me tell you, man, you'll be king one day, but this is what you're going to have to go through. You're going to have to live in caves. You're going to have to run from Saul. You're going to have to kill a giant. Come on, church. <laughs> you're going you're, you're to have to. And then when you do become king, you're going to have to reign in Hebron seven years before you actually reunite the entire kingdom and it becomes a united kingdom. So you're going to go through a lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of steps you're going to have to take and you're going to have to really trust. Now, if you would have told him all that, he'd have probably said, you know, maybe there's somebody else that might like to be king. <laughs> Amen. That's why in your life, when God says to you, now this is what I'm calling you to do, this is the destiny of your life, He doesn't give you all of the particulars. Because you may say, eh, you know, maybe there's somebody else that can do that besides me, amen? I mean, you'd reject it. Because if you got the whole package at one time, I know if 30 years ago God would have re revealed everything that I've gone through in the, next, in the last 30 years, I would have said, well, Lord, you know, can't we do this another way? Amen? But now notice what it says. As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart, into the spirit of man, the things which God, now notice the word, it's past tense, hath prepared. He knew you before you were born. He knew you would be born again. You said, you're not preaching predestination. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you God knows all. Not only that, before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, he has prepared something unique for you. Don't you think that's worth finding out? I said, don't you think that's worth exploring? Hath prepared. Now, when you look at the word prepared, what can God prepare? 
The consummate prepare. Well, he created the earth. He created all the universes, all the stars, the sun, the moon, the sky, all of nature, the oceans, uh, the atmosphere, all that he created. Don't you think? Don't you think he could prepare something pretty neat for you? Something pretty exciting for you? So he's already, he's already got it prepared. It's already there. Your ticket's already bought. But notice, it's prerequisite on one thing. For them that love him. Well, there's, there's the, one of the problems right there. There's a lot of people who don't love him. People say, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Do you go to church? Well, no. But I love the Lord. Do you tithe and offer? No. But I love the Lord. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you help with the outreaches? Do you go on missions trips? Do you, or are you a soul winner? Do you witness for the No, no. But I love the Lord. Well, see, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, ooh, keep my commandments. So our love for God is not based on a fuzzy feeling. Our love for God is based on our obedience to His commandments. Thank God you're here on Sunday night. You say, why? Because you're obeying the commandment of God, not to forsake the assembling of yourself, even more so as the day grows evil. So you're right now, oh, this is good news. You, you may not appreciate this when you walk out the door. You may not appreciate this when you came into the door, but you can appreciate this right now. Right now, you're in the will of God. Right now, you're in the will of God. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. Right now, you're right there in the will of God. Mm, I'll tell you, that's good news, isn't it? But now notice verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his capital S, Spirit. Everybody say Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. So that which God has prepared for you is revealed. You see what I mean revealed? It's not taught. It must be revealed. Now, the generic calling. Everybody say calling. We separate it into two sections here at Island Church because I see it in the Word that, that way and I'm the pastor so I get to do things my way. We see two levels. Everybody say two levels. There's that which is unique to all of us. Every one of us. Every one of us have a unique calling that we all should be involved. Well, number one, we're called to serve the Lord. We're called to pray. We're called to study and meditate on the Word of God. We're called to be a part of the local assembly. We're called to tithe and offer. We're called to walk in love. We're taught, called to be soul. You see what I'm saying? That's unique to each and every one of us. But now the specifics of your destiny are not found within the pages of the Word of God. They're found within the depths of your spirit as revealed by the Holy Spirit. Because that preparation that God has made for you has already been, de already been deposited in you. It must be revealed, explored, and walked out. Amen. Look at all the disciples. They were all called, and basically all 12 of them did the same thing for three and a half years. But then, once the Holy Ghost fell and the church began to get formed, then they began to go in different directions and do different things according to their destiny. They went from disciples in their calling to apostles in their destiny. And I want you to know, there will not be any other 12 men on the planet like those 12 men. You say, why? Those are the apostles of the Lamb, and the Bible says they have a special place in heaven and a special place in the Word of God. Amen? So God has something like that for you, unique, that you're going to have to find out by the Spirit, capital S. You're going to have to say, okay, Lord, I know there's something, something I'm supposed to be, something I'm supposed to do, maybe somewhere I'm supposed to go. There's something in my life 
that I must ask, seek, knock, discover, and pursue in order to maximize the potential of my existence upon this planet. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to be all God's called you to be and do all God's called you to do and have all God wants you to have? Mm-mm-mm. But God hath revealed them unto us. Notice the past tense word there. Hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth. Everybody say searcheth. All things. He's a searcher. Searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. Now notice verse 11. For what knoweth a man? For what knoweth, excuse me. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit, smallest, the Spirit of man. Which means... Nobody knows you better than you know yourself except God. You know your own inhibitions. You know your own fears. You know what inhibits you. You know know about yourself. If you've lived with yourself long enough, you know about yourself. And you know about yourself from a spiritual standpoint. Amen? So you know what man, uh, the, the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is heaven. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Now, I like this. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, capital S, which is of God. So you have this human spirit that was separated from God through Adam's fall, which sets you on a course and a path. Now, listen, this is so awesome. This is one of the reasons we really need to preach the gospel and get people saved. That human spirit in you that you got through your first birth that eventually found a place of spiritual separation from God, the day of accountability. Paul says, I was alive unto God. Then sin revived and I died. Amen. So he figured out that eventually man comes to a place in which the spiritual separation from God begins to manifest itself. Sin becomes an issue. That's why you don't have to teach children how to lie, how to cheat, how to steal, how to do anything like that. It's inherent in them. That's why Jesus said you must be what? Born again. So you got born again. When you got born again, that spirit with the big S came into your spirit with a little s. <laughs> Somebody, you just get that, that'll change your life. That big s spirit came into your little s spirit and it brought with it all the attributes of God. Healing power, revelation knowledge, a plan for your life specifically, a destiny and a calling. And God says your life ought to be about pursuing that in which God has called you or destined you to be. Now, the Apostle Paul, he started out as Saul of Tarshish, educated, yep, feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers. You could say he had the best college education of all of his peers. He was on the, on the, on the road to becoming a Pharisee and probably a priest in the temple. He had zeal for God. He had knowledge of the Old Covenant. Some theologians say he may have spoke as many as 30 languages. This guy was smart. This guy was, this guy was a happening guy. Things were going on around him. He was what we'd call today a mover and a shaker. To the point that when this sect of Judaism 
this strange group of people that used to run around with with this strange guy that made all my peers so uncomfortable that after he died and we thought finally that was all over with and then his followers have risen up in an even greater manifestation of what was going on even when he was alive. Now there were 3,000, now there were 5,000, now there were untold thousands of people that were adhering to this doctrine of Christianity. Saul of Tarsus thought, I better do something about this. If somebody don't stop this, this is going to ruin Judaism. We're going to be in trouble. They're going to get everybody saved. So he took off and he began to persecute. Uh, He began to uh, give his authority to the stoning, to the imprisoning, to the uh, 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 abuse of men and women and families trying to do what? Trying to stop Jesus. Stop the move of God. And so he had obtained from the high priest arrest warrants. Must have had names, addresses. Information had been gained. He's on his way to Damascus in Syria in order to make an arrest of those that were in the church of those that had been saved and those in whom the big S had come into their little S. Are you with me? And all he had was his little S. And so he's on his way to Damascus and boom. Everybody say boom. A light shined from heaven brighter than the noonday sun. Amen. And all of a sudden, he began to respond, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. One translation says this. It is hard to go out. Still green. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. It died. How was that one? How was that one? Well, quit playing that video game and and (laughs) turn one of these on. It's on. It's on. It's on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's what Dad used to do. He used to hit it when the TV used to roll. Anyway. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody probably unplugged it. Can y'all still hear me? I don't have a problem being hurt. So, here he was interrupted. Now, now, now think about this. His ambition, his ego, and everything he had prepared himself to do was what? Interrupted. Stopped. When he got saved. Yeah. Now, from that point on, until Saul made the decision to go home and be with the Lord, he became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Off he went. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you're going to do, I'm going to do. I, I tell you, if you send me here, I'll go there. Here, if you send me there, I'll go there. It does not matter. I'm going to follow God. He became not, not just as on fire for Jesus as he was for the Judea, Jew, Jewish law. He became more on fire. Yes, amen. I mean, now he had received a calling from God, and eventually it formed into a destiny. Amen. Now, at the end of his life, let's read it real quick. (laughs) At the end of his life, go to Philippians real quick. Look at Philippians chapter 3. We'll pick this up next week. Well, not next week because the blocks will be with us. The next week after that, we'll pick this up. Look at Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians. 
Apostle Paul. This is, this is really powerful. He says, Philippians chapter 3. Does that one work? Try that. Hallelujah. Ooh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Look at, look at verse. Let me find it here. Look at, look at verse. He's speaking here of himself. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus who have no confidence in the flesh. Now listen to what he says. Verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh if any other man thinketh that he hath wherefore he might trust in the flesh I more. Now this is what he's saying. My education, everything. If I, if I had a reason to be, to be confident in my life, my lifestyle, everything that I'm doing, notice what it says. It says, here, here he goes. He gives his, this is his pedigree. Amen. This is his, this is his resume. Circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You know what he's saying? Hey, buddy, I was it. I was the poster child for the law. The Mosaic, the, the mosaic law, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, you wanted to see the one that was doing it? I was doing it. Every feast day, nothing unclean. I'm telling you, I was obeying every, actually, one, one translation says it like this, I was obeying every jot and tittle, every period, every capital letter, letter you name it, I was obeying it. Amen? Now notice what he says. Concerning, the, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Anything that came against that, I rose up against it. Touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. Now listen verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He's saying, that ain't nothing. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss now, for what? For, for money? For faith? For wealth? No, no. Loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Now, can you imagine? Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, he was not welcome into the inner sanctum of the temple anymore. He was not welcome to the table of the Pharisees. He was rejected. All that he had prepared himself to do was gone. But something had been prepared for him. Something had been prepared for him. Now notice this. He says, I count them but dung, rub, rubbish or refuge, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now listen, verse 10. That I may know him. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the guy that wrote three quarters of the New Testament. This is the guy who the Bible says in Ephesians, special miracles came from his hands. This is the guy who the Bible talks about. He had revelation of faith, revelation of redemption, revelation of church order, revelation of gifts of the Spirit, and probably about 15 other subjects we could come up with. He had revelation of it. And if anybody knew Christ 
Paul, the apostle, knew Christ. But he's saying now. Now, Philippians is what we call a prison epistle. Everybody say prison. Which means it was written while he was in Rome. It was actually one of his last letters. So this is the cry of his heart at the end of his life. So he's built a great church in Philippi. He's built a great church in Ephesus. He's built a great church in Corinth. He's built a great church in Thessalonica. Historians say the church in Ephesus probably had close to 30,000 members. Pretty good church for ancient days. He has seen signs. He has seen wonders. He's raised the dead. He's seen the sick healed. He's seen special miracles. So he could have made a statement like, well, you know what I'd really like? Boy, man, before I die, I'd like to see another great revival. Boy, like the one we had in Ephesus where people started melting down all of their little silver statues and we made those silversmiths so mad. Wasn't that cool? Oh, that we might raise up another great missionary church like the church at Philippi. Man, they sent me all over the world. Everywhere I went, I'd look up and somebody's bringing an offering from Philippi. The, church, the Philippian church. Oh man, let's just, Lord, if we could build another church like that, if I could write another letter, like the letter to the Ephesians, like the letter to the Romans, Lord, if I could see uh, some more special signs, wonder, he mentioned none of that. He mentioned none of that. Nothing that he had done did he mention. Now notice what he does mention. That I may, no, that word is actually the word experience. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead not as though I already attained either already or either already perfect but I follow after if that I might apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus now listen to this brethren I count myself not to have apprehended but this one thing I do Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press. Everybody say press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me cl I'll close with this. Here's Paul. He's got success. Fame and fortune. People say, how do you know he had fortune? Well, there, for two years he lived in his own hired house in Rome. Takes money to travel. He traveled all over the world. He took offerings and he received offerings. Finances was never an issue. He said, I know how to abound. I know how to be a base. Was never an issue to him. Power, anointing, letters he wrote, all of this. But he said, now listen, let me, let me just sum it up for you guys. Let me just sum it up for you. I had ambition. I had ego. I was pursuing my career path. I set six-month goals, year-long goals, five-year-long goals. Set all of those out. And it all got interrupted by this guy named Jesus. And so here's the deal. I was on the road to Damascus. You study the messages he preached in Acts. He always starts like this. I was on the road to Damascus. And actually paraphrasing what he says here in Philippians 3. He says, on the road to Damascus, something reached into me and got a hold of me. Now, everything I've ever experienced, everything I've ever done, Everything I've ever written, every church I've ever built, there's been an ulterior motive. Not to create a big mailing list, not to have a lot of fame and fortune, but in so doing, in following the calling and entering into the destiny of God, I am going after 
what got a hold of me. I'm trying to get a hold of, let's just put it in good old Texas terms. I'm trying to get a hold. Something got a hold of me on the road to Damascus, and I've spent a lifetime and a ministry trying to get a hold of what got a hold of me. So if you'd ask me, Paul, what do you want? What do you want? It's not a Rolex. It's not a Corvette Stingray. It's not a great big pretty building. What I want, if you were asking me, what I want more than anything else is that I might know Christ. Because I was, listen, I was an enemy to the church. I was lost. I was undone. I was on my way to hell. And God loved me so much that he reached down, interrupted my life, interrupted my plans, and imparted his plan. And it's been a dream come true. Now we see that all throughout the Bible. Moses, on his dying bed, when he's dying, he's blessing all of the tribes as they come forward. The head of the tribe of Judah, the head of the tribe of Benjamin, the head of the tribe of Ishkar, the head of the tribe of Gad, all of these tribes, all 12 tribes, they're coming forward. He's laying hands, laying hands, blessing, blessing, prophesying, blessing. Not by the God that split the sea, not by the God that sent the manna from heaven, not by the God who sent the cloud by day and the fire by night, but the God that dwelt with in the bush for Moses it was the God of the bush for Paul it was the God on the road to Damascus are you with me for Abraham you can you can study Abraham you can study David you can study all of the everyone in the Bible that had this relationship with God that they wanted really more of God than anything else were people that were just living life and their life got interrupted And the big S of God came into their little S and showed them, God's prepared something for you. In our generation, there's been ministers that have come. Some of them are in heaven right now. We study a lot after Brother Hagin, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. Brother Hagin, I I listened to it the other day, give the complete testimony of how he got healed. He was born dead. Dead. The doctor laid him on the side and and looked at the grandmother and said, I can either either work on the baby and try to save the baby or save the mother. Uh, I would prefer to work on the mother because I don't think the baby has a chance. So, basically, they put a little napkin. He weighed about a pound and three quarters. Put a little napkin over him. He just laid there. Well, they worked on the mother, saved the mother. And 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 the doctor told his granny, grandma, said, Granny, go out uh, by the garden and just bury him out there. And so she had him wrapped in a little towel and was walking out. Had to go into the smokehouse to get a shovel. And when she walked into the smokehouse, the smoke caused him to, <coughs> to cough. Now, this, this is a guy that affected the entire planet with a teaching of faith. Caused him to <coughs> cough like that. And so she thought, well, this baby's alive. God, they fed him for six months with an eyedropper. One drop at a time. Drop, drop, drop. And if they ever put two drops or two drops came out, it would choke him. He'd turn blue. It'd take him an entire day to recover. They'd have to start the process all over again. Are you with me? At about age 16, he laid in a bed. He laid in a bed, paralyzed from the waist down, incurable blood disease, deformed chest, deformed heart, given a sentence to die. You're dead. There's no way you will not die. And he started reading the Bible. Grandma's Methodist Bible. Many of you heard the testimony. And from there, he rose up. God healed him. God spoke to him and said, go teach my people faith. He did it for, he, he obeyed God and it changed the way the entire body of Christ viewed the subject of faith. Or Roberts at age 17 was dying of tuberculosis. Lester Summerall, same way, dying of tuberculosis. For Brother Summerall, God put a, a vision on the wall and put a Bible and an open grave. He said, choose one. He said, I don't want to preach. God said, you'll die. He said, I'll preach. 
He said, I was a horrible preacher. I heard him give this testimony many times. I was a horrible preacher. He said on one, he said, I was preaching like a man possessed. I was about 19 years old, preaching, preaching, preaching. And I looked at a lady. I knew she wasn't saved. I said, I said, do you want to get saved? She said, I, I scared her so much she just sat there frozen. I said, do you want to get saved? Do you want to get saved? She didn't move. So whenever I spit on her, I said, Pee. I said, go to hell then. He didn't want to preach. He wanted to show God he wasn't a very good preacher. He said God, God arrested him after that and taught him a little bit more. But he affected the entire world. Hungry Christians all over the world today have their food because Brother Lester Summerall obeyed God. Now see, here's our, here, now here's our problem. We hear spectacular testimonies. Paul, Moses, Abraham, Lester Summerall, Oral Roberts. Kenneth E. Hagan. But you don't realize, you do not realize you were in the same boat. You were lost. You were undone. You were without God. You were on your way doing your own thing. Your little S, your little spirit separated from God. And one day Jesus came looking for you and found you and put his spirit in you. And something got a hold of you that you ought to spend your life trying to get a hold of what got a hold of you. And if it, if it sends you to Africa, go to Africa. If it sends you to India, go to India. If it sends you to South America, go to South America. If it just puts you right here in Island Church to be a good praise and worship leader or a good youth pastor or a good children's minister or whatever God's called you to be, do what God's called you to be. Pursue after God and find out what it is you put in me, Lord, that's bigger than who I am, bigger than what I can imagine, bigger than what I could do that I have to have you to do. And one day you'll get to the place where you'll say, man, that I just, man, I got to find out more about this God that got a hold of me, I think I'm going to spend my life trying to get a hold of what got a hold of me. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we glorify your name. Lord, we thank you that you've got a hold of us, Lord. You've reached down into our spirit, man. You have a calling and destiny for each and every individual. And sure, the devil may fight and the world may fight and our mind may fight and our flesh may fight. But we have faith in God that God shall prevail. His will, His plan, His purpose shall prevail in our lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Well, jump on your feet and give Him praise. Come on. Jump on your feet and praise the Lord. Come on, lift your hands and praise Him. Lift your hands and worship God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, begin by just asking. When you pray, say, okay, God, I go to Island Church. You know you called Pastor Rusty to pastor that church. Now, he's been preaching this stuff about you. You've prepared something for me. Can I ask you what it is, Lord? If you'll start asking God, he'll, you don't get anything you don't ask, seek, and knock for. Ask, shall be given. Knock, shall be opened. Seek, you shall find. Whatever it is. There are Christians that have lived out their life and never explored the depths of God's joy and peace. Because God can put you, He can say, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to go start a church on the West Bank in Israel right now while they're shelling while they're fighting I want you but see if that's the big S in you you'll have more peace more joy more success and more blessing doing that than you will hiding in church 
just being a good person. Well, God, I got my plan. I do it my way. No, no. You really want to discover what the peace of God that passes all understanding is about. You find that destiny. And 99 and 9 tenths percent of finding it is doing everything you can do to seek it. Because it's funny how once you begin to discover it, it just falls out in front of you. Because you can't make it happen. Because whatever God has destined you to be, wherever He's destined you to go, whatever He's destined you, you couldn't produce it if you tried. You couldn't educate your point. You couldn't, you can't buy it, you can't sell it. It's gotta be God. And once you figure that out and realize that, you'll understand that the blessings that we're experiencing now are nothing compared to what God has for us in the future. Amen. You love the Lord tonight. Father, we bless your name as we leave. Thank you for your blessing upon us. Thank you for revelation, knowledge flowing. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom. Thank you, Father, that as we proceed down the path of life, your plan unfolds. That which you have prepared for us as individuals, that which you have prepared for us as a family, and that which you have prepared for us as a church unfolds before us. As we leave tonight, as always, we claim the protection and safety afforded us by redemption. Thanking you, Father, no evil shall befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Rejoicing that you give your angels charge over us. Therefore, whether we travel on the airways, the highways, the seaways, or the railways, we call ourselves blessed, protected, kept safe by the goodness of Almighty God. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands this week, thank you wherever we find that, that we're protected, kept safe for the trial. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.